Okay, wow. You know, some of these guitar hangs, they just, they practically leave me speechless. But it's a podcast. I got to do a little bit of talking. I got to tell you that today playing a ton of guitar is the amazing Molly Tuttle. In fact, you're hearing right now a little taste, a little preview of what we're going to get into. That's not a studio record. That's her playing live on the show. Molly is just 27 years old, but she sounds like she's been playing and singing for infinity. That's because every note she plays, even if it's like a cool, fast, impressive run or whatever, seems like it's coming straight from the heart. Her guitar is connected to her soul. I love it. She began playing guitar at age eight with her father, Jack, and learned quick. She's got a new album called But I'd Rather Be With You. We're going to dive into that and much, much more. And it's brought to you by Blue Microphones. Blue has been making microphones for 25 years, and they are the mic of choice for millions of musicians and also podcasters and creators, producers. And whether you're just starting out or looking for a new color to add to your sonic library, you can find your perfect microphone at bluemic.com. Jude Gold here, episode 122 of No Guitar Is Safe. It's 2020, the gift that keeps on giving. Ashes are falling out of the sky here in LA and it, it just looks so strange. Nuclear winter, dim and orange, but of course nothing like what our neighbors are experiencing, our friends up in the San Francisco Bay Area, where today's guest grew up, Molly Tuttle. She's in Nashville now. We're going to shoot the copter over there momentarily. But Molly is this phenomenal picker and singer. You know, she's played the Telluride Folk Festival already. Newport appeared on CBS Saturday morning. She's got three records out now. She's had quite a year, you know, in March she experienced the crazy tornado that tore through East Nashville. Then came this lovely pandemic prolific tourer that she was, you know, she suddenly found herself at home with the rest of us, sheltering at home, and her therapy was revisiting songs she's loved over the years, and she teamed up with a great L.A. producer, Tony Berg, and across the country they sent tracks back and forth between California and Tennessee and created this new album, reimagining 10 of her favorite songs, including this great one from Rancid, called Olympia, Washington. You're going to hear Molly doing everything from Cat Stevens to The Stones to Jerry Garcia to Rancid to FKA Twigs. And the album is called But I'd Rather Be With You. And it's on Compass Records. Oh, before I forget, at one point in the interview, I'm trying to remember the name of this cool rhythm trainer app. This metronome app that my friend Avi Bortnik, great guitar player, made. And it's called Time Guru, if you want to check that out. It's just a buck ninety-nine in the app store hope you enjoyed kenny wayne shepherd last week before that the amazing also amazing brent mason another amazing nashville player and all these episodes 
I just I thank Blue Microphone so much for supporting our show. They've been bringing us all these great episodes. Blue's been making mics for two and a half decades. their mics like the yeti and the bluebird pretty much everywhere in top recording studios on videos all over youtube because people choose blue to elevate their productions i'm using a blue mouse right now it's really been cool having this mic around it probably sounds too good you can probably hear the bad acoustics in this room but whether you're just starting out or just looking for some new tools for your trade of making and creating music be sure to visit bluemike.com, click get started, and you'll be all in it, ready to find the mic of your dreams. Thank you, Blue. And thank you all for supporting No Guitar Is Safe and listening. Keep spreading the word any way you can. I really appreciate it. Also, I keep forgetting to tell you that the band I'm in, Jefferson Starship, we have a brand new EP out everywhere called Mother of the Sun. Check it out. But this hypnotic jam, of course, is still Molly Tuttle. There's so much involved now in doing some of these interviews, but you look like you're pretty... I was going to say, yeah. you look like you're pretty ready. You even have a green screen behind you, huh? <laughs> I do, sort of sort. yeah. My background isn't... But I didn't really think about my background today. It's kind of all over the place with the green screen and the lights. No, no, no. This is great. Have I've seen some of your recent videos. Have you actually used a, that green screen to like a in any of them bit. to like make yourself float in space or anything? Yeah, like, we did that. We did space for one. I've just had so many like videos, and a lot of the like live stream videos now are pre-recorded that they're doing, um, and just like sending in videos for different things. So I got tired of my usual home backgrounds and I got a green screen so we've been doing we did one where I was in space was that standing on the moon was that the one where you were in space or that was a green screen video but it wasn't we didn't do it here we did that somewhere (laughs) else with like a bigger like an actual nice green screen my green screen is just kind of like a green sheet basically yeah what's what's an example of one of the videos you've done with this green screen in your house um people can look up I did like a live on the green um set for lightning 100 and i used this green screen and we did like right. a space background we called it live on the green screen <laughs> yeah that's one of those flyers where it looks like a festival with all the bands but now it's virtual and that's i know so, so strange now just since we're on the subject it's incredibly beautiful and amazing and also strange was to see you at the grand old opry playing take the journey and you get pulled in. It's like, yeah, she's playing the Grand Ole Opry. And then after about 30 seconds or a minute, you realize the place is completely empty. Yeah. But yet you're playing the most legendary venue. Tell us about that performance. Yeah, that was really fun. I've played the Opry um, a handful of other times. And 
it was really exciting to play it this time just because I hadn't like done any sort of show in so long and then of course that stage is so legendary and always so special to stand on and play um but it was surreal because there it was it's such a big room and there's no audience and you play a song and there's no feedback it just kind of echoes through this big room of the Opry so um it was really fun though in a way like sometimes playing the Opry with the full crowd it can feel a little bit like ah so much pressure to play the Opry but playing it without a crowd was just this surreal experience and then not having even played on any stage in so long it made it extra exciting in a way and it it was fun it felt like we had the run of the place because there were like no people there hardly there was just a small crew um so i had so much fun doing that and the other bands were really fun to play with since we're on the subject of that song which is such a great um flagship song for anyone who has never heard you before what is there a special tuning on that or can can you play some of that or is it is it accessible in the guitar you're holding or yeah, I would have to retune a little bit because it is a, uh, an open tuning, but I can do that if you want me to. Sure. Yeah, so the tuning is like this open G tuning. So I'm tuning, right now I'm tuning the E string down to D. You tune both E strings down to D. And then tuning the A string down to G. The D string stays the same stays the same and then the B string so now we're like in a kind of with this B string we're in like an open G major tuning but to kind of make it more modal sounding I'm gonna get rid of the major third and tune the B actually up to C so it's like a G sus4 with no third it's like it's like Keith Richards tuning but with the sus4 yeah yeah it's kind of like how dadgad is D without a third with the G in there like the fourth of the D chord, so this is basically like dad gad but in G. <laughs> yeah, everything's moved up a string kind of, and you have yeah, the five, exactly. and you have the five in the bass. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, so I could play a little bit of "Take the Journey." I'm just like playing the melody yeah. mostly on the higher strings, and then using my thumb to play these like droning low strings with the claw hammer yeah. guitar style. Um, so yeah, this one goes like. Oh, man. Do you still curse when you're in Nashville? Or is it, have you, do you say dang now? <laughs> dang They're more polite no, I, there. I, I, it's I a polite town. For sure. I have to like restrain myself when I'm doing stuff like this or like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like uh, my cursing has gotten worse since moving here, honestly. Well, that was five years ago, right? Yeah, I've been here for five years. Okay. What you just played was spectacular. I mean... I've been very familiar with watching the videos of you doing it and listening to the track, which is off your first full-length album, When You're Ready, from just like a year ago. But to see you just early in the morning here, just whip it out and it's like instantly in the pocket and it's so tight. Like, I mean, obviously you've played it a million times, but I can also see that you've played a million gigs and a million jam sessions and some something about... <laughs> The way that I'm, it's just really amazing to to watch the engine just start like that, like a car that starts right up. (laughs) It's pretty involved. I mean, I wouldn't know how to start it. What are some of the basics of playing that lick? Yeah, so um, 
the basic style is it's just the exact same kind of rhythm as claw hammer banjo so i'm making my hand kind of look like a claw basically like uh, curling in my fingers all together and then using my thumb for the lower string so the my index and middle finger nails hit our will hit the high strings with a down and then my thumb as my fingers go down my thumb catches on one of the low strings and then when my hand comes back up i'm plucking the low string with my thumb and then the basic like clawhammer pattern that i learned first is called the bum diddy pattern and that's just the rhythm of it bum diddy bum diddy so we go down with the index fingers and then the thumb doesn't play the bass note the first time we go down down up and then the thumb like you kind of alternate between right. the thumb playing the string and not playing the string so bum diddy bum diddy and then with this song i'm going i'm kind of just like taking that pattern and um fitting it around the melody so so you can hear the bum ditties in there in between the melody but the other thing i'm doing is Using the thumb, it's called drop thumb, when you drop the thumb down to the higher strings wow. to get more melody notes. Yeah, that's so like that a, way you can get eighth notes instead of just having to do. It's it's hard to get like a com complicated or yeah. like not like super basic melody with just the index fingers. So when you drop your thumb down to get more melody yeah. notes, that helps. Um, fill it out a little bit. That's really cool. I see you have nail polish too. Which nail polish do you prefer for the best tone on that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, anything from CVS. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it, they get, it gets pretty thrashed because you're hitting using your nails a lot. And that last bit, your thumb is going doing like an upstroke and hitting the yeah. string with the top of the thumb hitting the nail. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't use i don't put on nail polish very often for that reason but right now i have it <laughs> is that one of your pre-war guitars what is yeah, that yeah this is uh one of the pre-war guitar company guitars um and yeah these are made in north carolina i got this one this is like one of my more recent guitars that i've got it's um they it's a brazilian rosewood and they did a really pretty sunburst on it this is my current go-to for i recorded yeah. my whole um last record on this one and um, yeah, I love Did, this. Is guitar. that inspired by a particular dreadnought? I mean, they're kind of like replicas of Gibson and Martins from the, back in the early ages, right? <laughs> yeah, I think they have this one like pre-war Martin dreadnought that they like base most things on. Maybe they have a couple different ones, um, but I don't know the exact guitar this one was based right. on. But I've been to their shop and they've like showed me their um, their old pre-war guitars that they like take every little minute measurement and make the guitars exactly like them. It's pretty cool. I love that quote about them from Joe Newbery, the new old guitars of the future. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Gotta think about that for a second. <laughs> that really sums it up. Yeah, they sound perfect. so much like old guitars. It freaked me out when I first played one. Um, out of any like new guitars that I've played, these ones just capture like some of that old woody, like really open sound of old guitars. Well, your your recorded output is already really astonishing. Um, even from Rise, which was your EP, two thousand seventeen. Guess that was the kind of crowdfunded one. 
Mm-hmm. And then I think you signed to Compass Records. Yeah. And um, now your new record, which is But I'd Rather Be With You, mm-hmm. you recorded this, as you said, at home, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, I recorded it right in this room <laughs> that I'm sitting in right now. Um, and yeah, it was really like a simple setup. I doubt, I'd never used Pro Tools before, but um, Will McClellan, who engineered and mixed um, all the parts together, he kind of like walked me through it. Um, I just borrowed a couple basic mics from Ryan Hewitt, who engineered my last record. I recorded all my guitar parts on a 57, which um, for people who don't aren't familiar is just like a super basic mic that you use live a lot. Um, and so, yeah, I, I recorded all my parts and then sent them to Tony Berg, who produced the album, and he sent them off to other people who recorded in their home studios, and then he like kind of fit all the parts together. So most of your guitar parts are just with a mono microphone in your room? Yeah, just so I was recording on the 57 and then some of the songs have I double tracked my guitar on like most yeah. of the songs. And I think I don't know how many we ended up using the two guitars on, but I think a lot of them have. If you listen closely, you hear I'm actually playing two guitars. So yeah. I would play one through the 57 and then another one through an SM7B, which is another pretty basic mic. And then we just play have there be two guitars on the track. Yeah. Usually, Is there an example of that sound from like an intro of one of the songs or yeah um i think fake empire i'm definitely playing two guitars is one you can pretty hear clearly hear the two guitars because I'm not playing the exact same thing and then um, how can I tell you you can hear that as well really clearly that I'm playing two guitars because my parts aren't super exact so did you find out like recording in a room did you have did you do any acoustic treatments or did you just go as is and just kind of do it (laughs) I just went as is because I was like I don't know I don't I don't know that much about recording I just kind of was like it's not gonna sound like a studio basically my room that I recorded in is really small and I have a lot of stuff in it so it's not like super resonant so it kind of worked okay the main problem I had was just like interference from I don't know if like there's some sort of weird electrical thing in my house there was interference but luckily um, Will could take that out he just kind of EQ'd the buzzing uh, like radio whatever that is out of RF noise out of it but yeah I just was like I just kind of went for it and they made it sound really good. (laughs) They sure did. Maybe we could talk about Olympia, Washington, which is the rancid cover. It seems like it's kind of based, I mean, I know you have a capo, 
but mm-hmm. it's kind of based on what I I like to think of certain positions as like that song or this song like, <laughs> like yeah. that's kind of the little wing from Jimi Hendrix I always think of that as the little wing position yeah it's like now of course you have a capo going I think yeah. on that song maybe you could show us a little bit of that I mean sure yeah so I'm capoing three I play this one in B flat um and I was actually yeah I was showing this part to someone the other day and like I start off the song so I was kind of replicating the lick they play on electric guitar um it's like and I think their part is a little more simple than like they're not playing as many like it might just be longer held out notes but obviously with acoustic I don't have the sustain of an electric guitar so what I did was um, I took that melody and kind of with my right hand I'm just going oh wait I'm still in my other tuning oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks <laughs> I'm for... like, why does this sound so different thanks for uh, doing all the different tunings and stuff so now I'm back in standard um, so yeah I, I took that And since I don't have the sustain of an electric guitar and I just couldn't exactly play it and make it sound like mm-hmm. they could, obviously, because my style is so different, um, I take the my right hand and I just decided to do this um, kind of like fast rhythm with the right hand. So I'm just going like this, like a quarter note rhythm, I guess. And then I kind of fit the lick, the melody around that. accentuate the melody notes so and I'm palm muting as well I guess that's the other thing I didn't mention yeah. so I'm muting the strings with my hand a little just enough so you can still hear the notes but creates this muted sound and then I go into like basically power chords with acoustic you can kind of let the open strings ring a little bit so I'm still palm muting but some of the higher strings are ringing Sing a little bit if you want. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I can do like a verse and a chorus of it. So Sweet. basically with the rhythm, I'm kind of like going between palm muting and just playing this like quarter note rhythm again, kind of chugging rhythm. And then sometimes I'll open up the chord a little bit more and do more like eighth note Stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I'll sing a little bit of it.
yeah, so that's the rhythm part. And then I take a solo part of the way through and do that little lick thing again at different times. But yeah. And the build is just epic in the production. <laughs> the production is epic too. It sounds like they, they, that maybe, I don't know if you did or Tony, but they, whoever mixed it maybe squashed it a lot with some compression on that one or. Yeah, so they were like, I love what they did to my guitar because they made it sound like I'm playing like a pretty cheap kind of like jangly guitar and I'm just playing this guitar but like the tone of it is so different on the recording than my guitar and that's something we tried to do with the record was create a different guitar sound for each song just some of it's a little subtle but um, I'm mostly playing this guitar on stuff and then I play electric on one song but they tried to EQ the guitar differently and that one ended up being like a super trebly kind of like jangly guitar sound well i really love the ethereal like background treatments too i'm not sure oh, how much you did that and how much maybe other musicians or tony berg the producer these ghostly stuff in the background that adds so much and you've always done that seems like on a lot of your records you have this really cool background layers of fairy dust that kind of take it to another level Yeah, I think that, like, I don't know exactly how they did that. We had um, pedal steel. So I think they were taking little ambient sounds from some of the stuff is just from my vocal parts or my guitar parts. They would put a filter on it and make it kind of echoey or take a little wispy thing that maybe I sang and make it and really make it sound ethereal. Um, there were times when I would just send them my vocal and guitar part and they'd send it back and it would have all these whooshing sounds. And I'm like, how did you do that? Yeah. And I guess they had certain, like, just like filters and kind of effects they could put on it to do that, which I really loved. Yeah, it really adds so much. So yeah, this this position too. I love that kind of stuff. Like I, do you use a lot of kind of open strings to kind of create melodies? Yeah. Like where you cascades or something? Like, it's weird to do it with this capo. <laughs> Who plays in yeah. B, B flat? But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I love those. Uh, I need more practice at them. But... <laughs> I used to do exactly. that whole like... Oops. Yeah. <laughs> I used to know that whole like little cascading scale, but I do yeah. like... I use a lot of open strings and like on that one for the solo I'm going like... that I can like let ring out. Um, you are such a natural, really mind blowing. I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I just love players. So you just 
hit the start button and they just go like I, <laughs> I love that um you're also a great teacher just on a side note here do you enjoy teaching or something most people aren't quite so articulate i'm talking about from <laughs> people who've been doing it for 50 years and all the way down only a select few can talk about it so clearly as you do have you done teaching or i know yeah, you went I, think- to, I don't know you went to berkeley school of music college yeah of music. i went to berkeley that definitely helped my teaching just like I had teachers there who were very, like, amazing players, but very, like, methodical about breaking down everything and, like, giving you step-by-step, like, here's how you improvise over this song, here's how you, like, learn this concept. My dad's also a music teacher, so when I was a kid, sometimes I've done a lot of teaching (laughs) in my life, but I started teaching lessons when I was maybe 13 or 14, and my dad had, like, excess guitar students who were okay with taking from like a kid basically so that's (laughs) kind of how I started learning to teach and then I've taught at a lot of guitar camps and that was really helpful for me is teaching groups and like breaking down concepts so that like a group of people can understand them so I really enjoy teaching sometimes I think like I've been doing a couple Skype lessons here or there here and there this year I I had stopped teaching just because I got too busy with gigs and stuff but now I'm I've done it a little bit again and I have to like work myself up to it because I get nervous. I'm like, oh, I hope I can like, especially teaching someone new. I'm like, I don't know where they are at. Like, I don't know what they want to learn. So I kind of like, I almost dread it beforehand. But once I'm in the lesson or in the group class or whatever, then I really enjoy it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you've got a future in that for sure. Like, I predict, <laughs> pred- I predict someday someone's going to offer you an honorary like doctorate or something or <laughs> offer you offer you to be to lead a guitar program somewhere it's like oh. that's a no-brainer but you'll probably be, be busy making your own music now c- could you teach us a little bit about flat picking what you were just doing a second ago and yeah like i love watch there's a great video so there's a great video that troy grady made of you playing and there's he's got that cool magnet camera or something on yeah. there, which just is, is over like the 14th fret right and Mm-hmm. And it's just showing your. It's like yeah, watching a, you like wa- put it on. Yeah, maybe it's over the frets. I can't even remember how he put it. I guess it isn't over the sound hole. It was kind of like on over the fourteenth fret, like you said, and this a weird clampy thing that held his phone. Yeah, and then and if you do the slow motion, it's like watching a hummingbird in slow motion. It's like whoa, and, <laughs> and your your pick really just glides over the strings. It's it's not like a. It's not like a really. Some people you can see their whole shoulder and. and <laughs> but you're you're more of the you're floating you're, you're floating like a butterfly but stinging like a bee <laughs> thanks um so, yeah i like play a lot from the wrist when i'm playing leads um when i play rhythm i'm more from my elbow with like more like the bigger muscles of my arm i guess but when i play leads i'm like anchoring my wrist a tiny bit on the bridge and like the lower strings if I'm playing on the higher strings so I'm not like clamping it down on the guitar but I am like resting it on the guitar and then um I hold my pick basically like resting on my first finger joint of my index finger and then my thumb goes over it I usually have my fingers like curled in loosely but try to keep my whole hand really relaxed and I like to have just a little bit of the pick just enough of the pick showing to um, be able to hit the strings without my fingers getting in the way, but that way I can like keep it really secure and I don't have too much of the pick. What kind of pick out. are you are you using? What kind of I'm pick use, are you? Uh, Dunlop two hundred seven, and I've used these forever. I like try to break away from them. Sometimes I feel like they're a little bit 
too thick. They're pretty heavy duty picks. And um, like on my album, I used a, a thinner Wigan pick for a lot of stuff. And I felt like I could be a little yeah. more articulate with that. My one thing that I feel like with these picks is sometimes my notes blend together a little too much and they don't like pop out enough. So I've oh. kind of like been playing around with different picks lately, but this is the kind of pick I've used forever. Or it's, I guess this one's a Dunlop 208, which is like a slightly pointier one, but sometimes I use the 207s too. Well, it's interesting. They're when basically you get a, the same. I was going to say, it's interesting huh. when you get a pick that's super thick like that, then you start, it starts to come with a natural bevel yeah. on the edges. So it's almost rounded. So Yeah, totally. <laughs> it does have like a little natural bevel in it. But yeah, I've, I've used this pick forever. And so I'm, yeah, I play play a lot from the wrist. And, um, and then when mm. I play rhythm, I'm picking up my wrist and floating and playing more like from the elbow and rotating a little bit more. Can you show us any flat picking basics or like exercises that you, that you, that were meaningful to you when you were learning or? Yeah, totally. Um, I like to do these few pick exercises with people. So the first one is just alternating on one string. Super simple, just eighth notes. Um, and really getting that like motor going with your hand. So I always tell people to like tap your foot and tap your foot along with quarter notes, one, two, three, four, and get your wrist going along with that. So down, up, down, up, yeah. down, up, down, up, one and two and three and four. And you can even test yourself and try taking out some of the um, some of the eighth notes. So instead of going one and two and three and four, you could go one, two and three and four and... like that just to kind of get that rhythm ingrained yeah. in your hand and then taking it to other strings so um trying that first eighth note pattern but alternating between the third and the second string so now we have the pick starting on the third string with a down and then going up to the second string with an up so we're kind of like picking on the outside of the two strings have people like try doing it as fast as they can yeah. while keeping it somewhat clean it's okay to practice these and get a little messy with it just to test yourself and see how far you can go and noticing yeah. like what happens to your technique when you do that for me my wrist gets a little bit stiffer when i play really fast and i might even go more from the elbow yeah um and then doing the reverse of that so starting on the second string with a down and then going third string with an up so now we're on the inside of the two strings so you're going down on the second string and up on the third string yeah oh man i have never done that <laughs> i don't like that yeah that one is not as fun for people usually <laughs> yeah that's weird yeah so that's if like usually i have people do those first two and then that one and they're like oh this one feels way harder and then it's like well you're using when you're playing flat picking all you're really doing is like either staying on the same string or switching up a string or switching down a string so if switching down a string feels harder then that's a good one to practice because then yeah. that's going to slow you down overall with your picking i love it i'll show you my one uh brian sutton lick that i stole do you know him yeah i love He's brian like, he was wait uh. Wait, this dang position you got us in B flat. It's weird. 
I mean, I just love that. Yeah, it's so great. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, once you go through it, yeah, it comes together and it's uh and it's using the open string and the and a, some fretted notes up the neck and but um so maybe we can move on to um like she's a rainbow, which is a mm-hmm. it's the Rolling Stones tune and don't tell Mick and Keith, but I think I like your version better. It's oh so God. beautiful. And uh then you watch the video and just so incredibly moving. She's a rainbow. Um, I just thought it was a really beautiful message, and I thought it could be cool coming from a female perspective. Um, and yeah, just kind of like as a celebration of femininity and womanhood. And um, so I got a bunch of friends and um, some people who I'm just like a huge fan of, and just different people I've met through the years who I thought would have really interesting perspectives on feminism and intersectionality and equality. Um, to I had them answer one of three questions. I think the first one was, what does feminism mean to you? And then the second one was, what does it mean to make feminism intersectional? Which is kind of like taking all these different experiences people have and, um, and just like honoring everyone's different life experience and how that plays into how they experience equality or inequality or inequity. Um, and so, yeah, that was the second question. And the third one was, why is equality so important? So people um, wrote answers on signs and filmed themselves holding them. And then I was holding the questions um, at the beginning of each segment and then playing the parts on guitar. And it turned out, I, I loved how it turned out. It was so moving for me to see so many of my friends and people I admire um, just taking the time to write such thoughtful answers. People really like thought about the questions a lot. I know some people like researched and um, and really wanted to express what they felt about these issues that they all felt strongly about. So it was really moving to me to just see everyone express themselves. I think there's even a Tom Morello appearance in there. There is, yes. That I screamed yeah. when he sent his in. I couldn't believe it. I've never met him, but I'm a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. Oh, yeah. I, I met him for uh, two seconds and got a great selfie here in L.A. Nice. That's he awesome. was he 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 grabbed my phone though. He said, "Okay, no problem. Yeah, but I'm taking the picture." So he got it <laughs> just right, and then I was like, "Oh, duly noted. I see what that's you did." That's a good did. move. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, that's a beautiful song. So moving to involve the community and then see what comes out of people's hearts. It's always amazing when what people bring out of themselves if you give them a chance to. And so that was a really great platform you did. Did you want to sing a little bit of that for a second? Or sure, yeah. It's an interesting song. It's got that tempo change in the middle. Yeah, it was an interesting one to record because we couldn't really do it with a click track. Um. 
I mean, <laughs> you're the real deal, and I'm just... Oh, thanks. That's why I started this show, having interviewed players for since the year 2000, was just to put people <laughs> in this seat so they can be here, too, and see players like you, and that was just oh, incredible. Thanks. What about our hometown? I'm from the Bay Area, too, and you're oh, nice. from the Bay Area. It's pretty crazy right now, like, it's seeing the pictures of the sky in San Francisco. It's been, like, they're... The smoke was so intense yesterday. I'm yeah. sure you saw all that It's like stuff. bright orange. My mom's been sending me pictures from her yeah. house in Palo Alto. And it's like, it looks photoshopped because the sky is like, it looks like a collage where someone just took neon orange and put like trees in front of it. Yeah. And it's dark and <laughs> it's uh, crazy. <laughs> and I, I, I've got ashes coming down on my car out here in LA oh, too. It's, it's weird times, but um. You grew up yeah. there. Uh, you have such a great pocket, too. Your rhythm is just 
rock solid. Did you focus on that or did you just get that naturally playing with your father, Jack Tuttle? Um, I definitely got a lot of it from playing like with my dad and with other people. I've worked with a metronome on and off like a lot, but um, I think the main thing was, I remember when I went to Berkeley, I started going to a lot of jams and everyone there was like playing with a metronome and obsessed with like having good timing. So I felt like in a way I kind of piggybacked off of playing with other people with great timing. Um, but I remember just sitting in jams and trying to like sync up exactly with the mandolin player and the bass player. And um, I think that's something that people can do if they go to jams is like, if sometimes it gets a little boring yeah. just playing rhythm guitar, but if you really like yeah. focus in on like syncing up with everyone, it can just feel amazing to like be playing rhythm in a group of people. So that helped me a lot with my timing, I think. But then, yeah, playing with a metronome and and like doing metronome um, exercises, like putting it on the off beats instead of on the down beats, or like putting on metronome on but only having it click every two beats or yeah. every yeah, I don't yeah. know. Just having it click less often, that can awesome. be really challenging. You know, on that subject, my friend Avi Bortnik made a really cool app that, uh, it, like, you can set it for, like, eighth notes, but then you set the degree of how many of them you want to randomly disappear. So, oh, cool. Like, so, you could, so it might play seven out of eight notes in a bar, or it might randomly play only three. And, like, it keeps That's testing awesome. you. To, what is that called? I will um, find out for you. It's yeah, send it to me. Yeah, it's really, he's a great guitar player. Yeah, this has been fantastic. I don't know if you're a, I know you've, so one thing about you is is that if someone checks you out, they can see multiple hairstyles and stuff. And just recently <laughs> yes. for your for your video for the FKA Twigs song, mm-hmm. Mirrored Heart, it's like when I first saw that, I'm like, wow, that's a bold haircut right there. <laughs> Completely gone. And I've had that haircut, yes. I've had that haircut since just after high school. Nice. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's a really brave haircut because not all women would do that. And then yeah. I find out how incredibly brave you actually are. Do <laughs> you want to mention this? or? Sure, yeah. Yeah, well, I have alopecia areata. So that's a hair loss disease. It's an autoimmune disease where, like, basically your immune system gets confused and thinks that your hair is attacking you. So it attacks your hair and makes it fall out. Um, so I got that. I got alopecia when I was three, so I've basically had no hair for my whole life, pretty much. Um, and then I started wearing wigs only when I was like fifteen or sixteen. Um, so that and back up, still... you went, you are, you're in like middle school with no hair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed by that. So uh, you were just known as as the chrome chick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was really shy about it in middle school, especially like I wore hats a lot, and sometimes I would go without, but hardly ever, and like. I just kind of wanted it to not be a thing. So like people would ask me about it and like, but I was super shy about it until like I was in my twenties basically. So then I started wearing wigs and when I was a teenager, I really didn't want to talk about it either. So I just kind of like tried to pretend that nobody knew I was wearing wigs and that it totally looked like normal hair, even though I was like wearing a short wig and then going to a long, everyone could tell I was wearing wigs. But, um, and so then when I was out of high school, I think just like those ages are really um, intense for everyone. But for me with the alopecia thing, it was like this extra layer of insecurity. But then as an adult, I've kind of, it's became become something that I really like about myself and that I like sharing with other people. So for like my recent videos for the FKA Twigs one, I thought that song was 
an appropriate one to wear without or to go without a wig because I recorded it like I wasn't wearing a wig when I recorded it. It's such like a vulnerable kind of like intimate song yeah. that I just thought it fit with the vibe. And then with She's a Rainbow, I wore a wig for part of it. And then it was kind of like half and half wig and not wig. And for that song, I just wanted to show the different sides of who I am and say like, I basically want everyone to know it's okay if you want to wear a wig. It's okay if you don't want to wear a wig or both. You can mix it up. There's no reason yeah. why you have to look the same all the time. So I think that's something that I've come to appreciate with alopecia is that I can like have all these different looks. I can wear different oh, yeah. hair every day if I want to, or wear no hair, and um, it's been a really great way to connect with people too. Oh yeah, that's, you get to change your look up, but but yeah, you, you've become you know a hero or spokesperson for people <laughs> like who just giving it visibility and, and letting people become aware and, and understand it, you know, who yeah, thank didn't you. understand it before. Uh, I've, well, give me some wig tips. If I started to rock some cool wigs so I could like look like more like a rock guy on stage or something, yeah. what, what, what are the tips of dealing with wigs? What's it like? Dealing with wigs. <laughs> That's such a good question. It's so hard to know like what's a good wig i always so the important thing with wigs that's like everyone's obsessed with is basically the part because it's that's the really the hairline and the part of the wig is really hard to get to look natural so if you look for like a lace front wig or like a full lace wig is the ultimate people are like tying the hairs into this like net basically like an invisible and you want the net to be like as invisible as possible so you want it to like match your skin tone um, so those are the wigs where like it's hard to tell um, that you that hair isn't like going into your head basically. <laughs> but there's so many amazing YouTube videos of women taking these wigs and customizing them. They'll put like foundation on along the hairline along the part and like oh. pluck the hairs out of the hairline to make it look more natural because so it's not just like a line of hair. I like will go on on deep rabbit holes watching people like people like order wigs from Amazon or like Etsy and be like, here's all these wigs I got. I'm going to like customize them. It's really fun. So I'd say go on YouTube and check out different wigs and there's all sorts of price ranges and there's human hair wigs, synthetic wigs, and it's oh a gosh. whole rabbit hole you can go down. Do you get nervous on a windy outdoor stage? Um, with the wigs I have, they're really secure. So like they have this kind of, um, like rubbery plastic that like sticks to my head like I can pull my hair and it like does wow. not come off it's kind of yeah. crazy so I'm taking notes here I don't here. really get nervous at all <laughs> Mate, well, one time I was on a roller coaster and going upside down and I got a little nervous I remember getting nervous for that but my wig still didn't come off so well you completely <laughs> rock for talking about this stuff I mean educating people and just filling up that hole of ignorance is it's incredible Oh, thanks. I would have never thought of myself as like an alopecia, like, or someone who would inspire other people with alopecia just because it was always so, I was always so shy about it. But so it's kind of, it's really nice for me to hear you say that. I'm like, wow, okay, I guess I am. Of course. I mean, I used to have my alopecia heroes who inspired me. So it feels really good to get to hopefully do that for someone else. Yeah, exactly. You have a huge platform to talk to people and you're not afraid (laughs) to talk about it. So that's incredible. Now, Back to more guitar nerd stuff for a second. When you're live, do you like to choose, do you have a certain preamp that you plug your guitars into? Like maybe you have a pickup on there and don't yeah. do What's your pickup system and your preamp system? <laughs> yeah, I have a K&K pickup in all my guitars. And then I think it's like the K&K mini. 
And then I use a Felix, a Grace Felix um, preamp, and I also use a Tone Dexter. So sometimes I'll like run it through the Grace Felix into the Tone Dexter, and I find that the Felix helps beef up the tone with like the nice like pickup, just kind of like the beefiness you get with, with the pickup. And then the Tone Dexter is a mic modeling preamp, so it you like play through a mic and it models that and changes your pickup signal into more of like a mic signal so that helps it sound a little more acoustic so those two i find are a good combo are you friends with eben grace yeah yeah that's funny yeah i met him several years ago in boulder and then we've been friends on the social media for a while yeah he's awesome did you just describe the k and k pickup or no um i didn't describe it i have the k and k many and I've never really had any other kind of pickup. I think that that's just the one I got first and it worked, so I kept using it. Is it a, like under saddle or a mic or both? Yeah, it's under the saddle, yeah. Right, right, great. Well, cool. Um, I definitely urge people to check out your earlier stuff too. When I say earlier, that's funny because it's like two or three years ago. <laughs> My you're, you're, stuff. Yeah. You're, you're being very prolific. Like uh, the Million Miles is such a killer tune. Oh, and the great lyrics. thing you'd like to play for us today or um, i mean you have so many great tunes like friend and a friend is cool but i mean i kind of leave it up to you let's see
You are awesome. Keep it alive to your 105. <laughs> that was spectacular. Thank, Thank you, you so much. very much. And thanks for being on No Guitar Is Safe. Yeah, thanks for having me. No Guitar Is Safe.